Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chem for Real. That's C H E M number four capital R capital E capital A capital L because research engages all learners. This podcast is hosted by the Chemistry Division of the Council on Undergraduate Research, often referred to as CUR or CUR. We're a community of faculty nationwide who walk the talk of engaging student learning through undergraduate research. Each episode, we will discuss recent findings, experiments, and strategies to assist faculty in defining, expanding, and building a community of lifelong learners around undergraduate research experiences. Whether in a classroom, laboratory, or the community, undergraduate research increases student engagement, advances student adaptability, and promotes overall resilience. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos a la segunda y conclusión también del podcast Latin X Students. En la primera entrevista, nuestros participantes hablaron de su experiencia personal, algunos como estudiantes del programa DACA. Nuestra entrevista cubrió retos institucionales eh, que han pasado en las universidades, problemas financieros, el trato que han recibido cuando han tratado de um, recibir apoyo, el rechazo que han encontrado los retos que han experimentado en la familia, el trabajo y el balance también con sus estudios. Además de muchas otras situaciones desmoralizantes por las que han tenido que pasar, sin embargo, han salido a, a, adelante, han sabido afrontar los retos de una manera a, admirable. Ahora dispongámonos a escuchar la conclusión de esta entrevista con estos jóvenes que son una inspiración para otros. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second and final part of Latin X Students podcast. In the first part of this podcast, our interviewers talk about their personal experience. Some of them are uh, DACA recipients. Our previous interview dealt with institutional challenges that our participants have gone through. They had financial strain. They tried to get fellowship from the universities, but guess what? Um, they just got rejection and mistreatment. Um, they also experienced family problems and problems also at work. In summary, they have gone through uh, demoralizing situations. And nevertheless, they are like the mythical Phoenix birth, and they have emerged and start over from their ashes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's continue with this podcast with these young students who are an example and an inspiration uh, because they have the courage to go through all these difficult things and they were able to reach their goals. Thank you. How Would you like the university trained faculty and students to be more sensitive and to work with minorities, in this case, people of color, uh, regarding of their immigration status? 
You know, I think one of the biggest things that I would have liked when I was in college was just to hire, not hire, but like have more professors that looked like me. I think that that's um, very, that would have been super essential to me because, you know, if somebody looked like me or understood um, where I was coming from, then I didn't even have to explain all of these struggles that I was going through. And I think that's one of the biggest things when I was doing my my research uh, to graduate one of my programs, I asked students, right? Like, what is it that you want to see uh, from, for, from uh, the administration? How would you feel more comfortable? And 100% of those folks said that they would want to see more faculty of color, uh, therapists of color, folks who were just around the, the, the campus that, that looked like them. And I think that that would have been so essential. Like if I had, you know, so many people inspire me when I was in college and and a lot of them were women of, um, of color immigrants that, that I identified with. And I was like, you know, what? I want to be like this uh, doctor, right? Like, I just want to go get my PhD and I want to be like them because they look like me or because I can relate to them. And I think that that would have been something uh, that uh, I would have loved. And, and I think that's the first step to, to change any any anything in understanding vulnerable groups and understanding the Latinx community and also understanding that just because we're people of color doesn't mean that we all have the same experiences. That is not the case just because, you know, I'm an immigrant from Mexico doesn't mean that I have the same experience as someone from El Salvador or someone from just any other country. And I think that that's such a big issue that we generalize immigrants and put them in the spot. And it's like, no, we're actually all have so many different uh, experiences. And then I think that that would be understanding or not generalizing, right, that immigrant experience, because that's not the case. We all have so many experiences. And lastly, I would say, asking the students what they want to see, because the students are the ones that have the voice, and they're the ones that are going to be either staying in your in your uh, university or leaving your university depending on how supportive they feel so i would say ask them right uh do do meetings uh do whatever it is that you got to do but also make sure that whoever is leading those meetings folks feel comfortable with because i'll tell you right now if like the president came and was like oh i wanted me to talk about the struggles you know from the Latinx community, I would be like, absolutely not. I don't feel comfortable with you talking about all of these struggles, you know? But if I had somebody from, let's say the Multicultural Center, yes, let's do it. Because, you know, I know that there's a place that, um, well, I, I always felt so welcome when I was in the Multicultural Center and, and it was like my home away from home, right? So start to look at those spaces where, where students go and, and ask them, what is it that, that you want to see? But not just ask them and not do anything, right? Because we can all ask each other, what is it that you want? But if you're not going to do anything, I think that's that's where a lot of the students also get frustrated because, you know, uh, for instance, I wrote like all this beautiful paper. I don't know if anything has been, you know, done after I left. But what what's the point of like do, asking all of these questions if the administration and faculty is not wanting to take a step forward? And also for all of those faculty who are in hiring committees, right? Like put your biases aside as well and really um, look at uh, how folks are qualified. And, you know, I've, I've heard so many people that apply for jobs and it's like, no, because they're a person of color and they're not qualified enough, but they are qualified. They're just being um, flat out 
discriminatory or racist towards the person. And so where you're in the hiring community, also look for those things that the students are asking for. So if they want someone who looks like them, right, look at their qualifications. And I'm not just saying, you know, hire them because they're a person of color, but there are a lot of folks of color out there who are overly qualified. And a lot of the times they don't get the job because of the color of their skin. So I would say ask them and put it into practice as well. Uh, yes, trainings are great, <laughs> uh, you know, but it depends who's giving the trainings because not all of them are great. I went to some trainings that are like, oh my goodness, you know, I could have done that training way better. <laughs> um, and so just seek that, 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 those resources that are already available, look at organizations that are already doing the trainings, look at other universities that are already doing the trainings that have programs and help your students that way. Yeah, I echo what, what, what has been shared from, from our experience also just under the assumption that that faculty are allies, right? Um, very unlikely that you would find someone who is undocumented, uh, you know, with DACA that is a professor or formally undocumented. You know, you may find a few, um, but it's likely that faculty will identify mostly as allies. For, for folks. So it could even be something in uh, effort with your local community. It's very likely that you have advocacy groups in, in your cities or in your college towns um, that are already, you know, put something together like that. Our experience with, with allies in, in Indiana specifically has been, has been developing a lot um, because I think the conversation of being there for your undocumented students should also be tied in uh, with being there for your for your black students as well, um, especially this past year that um, we had in 2020, right? And and all of the different conversations that followed after the murder of George Floyd, it really sparked a change in how we're conversing uh, uh, in regards to the the most vulnerable communities in the United States. Um, so when we're talking about it on campus, I think that you cannot have a conversation of how to support undocumented students without um, having a conversation on how you're supporting and protecting your Black students, uh, mostly, more than anything. Also tying in the conversation of, of also supporting your LGBTQIA students. It's very likely your campuses also has a resource center um, for LGBTQ. And and so, so yeah, I just wanted to, to emphasize that, that whatever it is that, um, yes, sorry, and, and also for, for Asians as well, you know, uh, there, there are various ways of faculty to, to acknowledge the needs, very technical ways that faculty can support specifically undocumented people, documented students, but I think that doesn't take much, right? Besides, you know, we can list them out for folks, and I'm sure you already have students um, on campuses that are already supporting with that, so, you know, um, much like what has been mentioned, right? Um, be mentors, have those safe spaces, have intentional trainings, there are very many technical ways, but I think the key thing is also being conscious uh, on, on the greater picture here in, in the United States. Um, what does it mean for, for folks to be pursuing higher education in the United States? And that really ties in the conversation of, of being allies, right, as faculty. And all of that also requires having a lot of knowledge of history, right? In, in specifically in supporting undocumented students, knowing about the history of immigration, right? Um, why, are, why have students had to be in this situation, right? Why have their families had to uh, migrate to the United States? Why do we still see um, many new folks coming in, right, into our schools and, 
and needing needing the support as well. So the, just uh, wanted to tie in that conversation of, of allyship um, more so than just like, what can we do? What can we provide? Um, it's also, it's uh, paralleling the idea that if you're gonna be trained, you, you should be very intentional about following up with it, right? But if you're gonna train, make sure that it's also an intentional transformation on, on your end as well. Well, there is one more question here um, related to that, or more specific toward the Latin community. How would you help other Latinx students? Any advice? You mentioned a lot, but let's go now a little bit more and thinking at the same time, brother. I would say one of my best advice is be able, like be willing to seek for like for help and for those resources that you have. There's many resources on campus that you can use. Uh, sometimes you're afraid to go to, to them, but just know that they're going to be there for you. Like the multicultural centers, the Office of Diversities and Inclusions, all of those um, offices and centers, they are there for you and to help you. So know that that's there for you as well as the mentors, the faculty, and just don't be afraid to speak up and say what you're feeling. Sometimes like we think that people can see what we're thinking, but they cannot. So just be uh, able to open up. Uh, it's big, it's really hard to open up sometimes, but just find that person that you feel comfortable with and open up to them and tell them what's going on. And then they might have some great advice for you and some other resources that you didn't know about. Um, one of the biggest things that I would say is like the imposter syndrome. And even now, you know, as, uh, in, in the professional world, sometimes I, I still have it, right? Where uh, I'm like, why, like, am I here? Like, do I even like need to be here? Like, is it because like I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color or is it because I'm really qualified? And I think that a lot of that um, would be just my hope slash advice to folks, right? Like, um, I, I think I said it before, but you do belong where you are. And if folks make you feel like you don't, it's it's not you, right? Like understanding that it's not you, it's really them. And, and also understanding that it's also, it comes from a history of um, oppression, right? Against our communities. Uh, and there's a bunch of systems that, that have been placed here, even before all of us were, were born, right? And so understanding that, that again, it's not you, it's them, but also um, I think giving them the chance to learn, right? Um, I, I think one of the biggest things for me that really took a, took, um, a toll was like educating others and, and understanding that sometimes you're gonna have to do it, right? And if you don't want to, that's completely fine as well. I don't think like anybody, hopefully not, you know, you, you don't experience the, this where folks are like, I, I need you to teach me, right? Because at a certain point you do become exhausted of like just teaching people like, this is my experience. This is what I've been through. And just like reliving it can be very traumatic. And I think um, if you are finding yourself doing that, like it's okay to step away, right? And take care of yourself. It's okay to help seek help, and and I say that because you know, in 2016, uh, when when everything happened with the presidency, uh, I had to step away for a little bit and take care of myself, not just mentally, emotionally, but also physically. 
And then in 2017, I was um, traveling a lot to DC fighting for the Clean Dream Act. And the amount of, of support that I got from the faculty was very overwhelming. You know, they would always check on me, send me my assignments. It was it was amazing, right? And and I think that look look towards those people that are going to be helping you and, and really supporting you. And a lot of those folks became my mentors and they're my mentors till now, right? And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I wish I would have known when I was younger, like try to look out for mentors, right? Because they truly are there to help you. And I, I don't know about, you know, other folks, but I have the most amazing mentors that, that I've been really blessed to have and just reaching out to them. And even now in my professional life, I still reach out and say, you know, I want to do this. Like what, what, how can you help me? Like what resources do you have for me? And yeah, so just being, uh, being able to one, take care of yourself. I think that that would be one of the biggest uh, things that I would I would say to to not just the Linux community but also other vulnerable groups. Uh, take care of yourself. You know, it could be tiring, and it's okay to be tired and and retire for a little bit and stop educating folks. Um, if that's what you need to do to recharge, like totally do it and don't feel guilty for doing it because I think I I at some point I did right. I was like, well, I need to be advocating and educating folks. But at the same time, I also understood that I needed to take care of myself. And that's that's one of the biggest things that um, I really uh, appreciate now that I, I was able to step back and then go back in fully recharge and then just uh, seek mentors, definitely. You'll find that they'll help you throughout, you know, after even you're graduated, when you're applying for grad school or whatever it is that you want to do for your jobs, they make the best references because <laughs> they know you. So really uh, try to uh, reach out and and if you can't, you know, find a mentor, also look to your peers. There's a lot of folks who are going through the same experiences. And believe me, you're not alone. I thought I was alone for the longest times and then I was able to travel to DC and I met so many many people from all over the country that identified as undocumented DACA recipients, TPS holders, and we were going through the same things, right? So you're not alone. There's some amazing resources out there for you. And I would say, you know, for um, this, for, uh, for faculty administration and also students, check out United with Dream. They have uh, some really good toolkits that you can use. Um, and they're a national organization. I'm sure that there's like local organizations that are probably doing some of that work, like it was mentioned before. So really look to, to those resources on how to even talk to um, your professor or how can the professor talk to the, to the student. Um, and then really take, take what is gonna work for you. Not everything's gonna work for you. And, and also understand that, right? That what might work for me might not work for somebody else and vice versa, but really, Take whatever it's gonna um, help you in the long run. Earlier, there was a question about, you know, what what were some of the struggles in STEM for being um, an English and Spanish speaker, right? We we didn't talk much about language, um, but it really is a key thing for us as well because it's our main form of communication and also main form of understanding. So uh, being able to just, uh, you know, go, go in at it. First of all, you're, you're already in higher education, right? If you're already in college. So you're already, you know, capable. You know, you've always been capable of being able to pursue higher education. And now that you've chosen to do so, now you're there. Um, you know, never feel like, like um, you don't belong um, because you deserve it just as much as the person next to you, right? And you, you're going to work as hard 
um, or even a little bit more because of that language difference or maybe even just the resources and even so also the support that you, you have around you. Um, so, so just uh, taking it step by step, um, especially if you're starting off undergrad, undergraduate school, Within your first year, you know, you're going to have courses that are going to be very, you know, very straightforward in the sense of like, you know, you have to take those because they're, they're part of your graduation pathway, right? Like you have to take some specific courses for that. So um, just know right in your first year, uh, take that year and that opportunity to really get to know yourself away from home, right? We talked about some of the barriers of being Latina or Latino and being away from home. And being able to find yourself yourself that support system and then navigating the conversations that are necessary with with your parents. Oftentimes, it's it's not going to be that easy for for our family members to know what it is that your experience is going to be like. Um, And it's going to be difficult for for you to even share it because you don't even know yet, right? Like you're still you're still there. You just got there, right? You're, you're learning along the way. But really trust yourself and, and trust that your family will know how to navigate it with you when the time comes. You know, much of the blame isn't on them, right? Because they're learning just as much as you are. But just know that they're, they're the main source. Um, and at least for me personally, they were, they were the main source of motivation, um, even if they didn't understand. I knew that at the end of the day, they would be the only ones that'd be able to, to help me navigate if I ever, ever got lost. So that's really the main thing for, for, um, for students. And, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with, with being able to know how to learn, right. Um, uh, in, in undergrad, things might be moving a little faster or um, because you're away from home, you don't have the right resources that really make you feel grounded, right? Like, even if that's simple, simple as those, like los tacos de la esquina, right? Like the los tacos in general, the food, the people, the music, um, being able to feel seen and, and represented on your campus is not always going to be possible, right? Just, uh, yeah, just know that that it, it takes it takes a process. It takes some some days to get used to it, but it's also not eternal to feel that way. Our last question before the remark is: What is your hope for the future? Another packed question. <laughs> I have a I have a lot of hopes and dreams. <laughs> um, I think you know my hope for the future is that institutions uh, in the education system, faculty and administration can all meet us where we're at. I think that that's going to be very important. We often talk. Um, we often talk about you know uh, giving resources and all of that, but we also have to understand that. There's folks who are not um, at the level that you might think that they are. And I think it's very important to meet folks where they're at. And, and I say this because, um, you know, even in the work that I do now, uh, helping, uh, advocating for my community, you know, even with the pandemic, just thinking of the pandemic, like how everything shifted. And there were a lot of, um, a lot of schools that went uh, fully online, right? And, and I think about that pretty often because my younger siblings had to do that. Had I not been here, my mom and, and my dad probably would not have been able to afford the internet. And so that's what I what I mean when I say pe- meet people where they're at because you know if they're you're giving them something, they might not even have access to the internet or they might not even have access to a computer, right? Or they might not even have access to all of these things. And I think that that's that's uh, going to be uh, just just very critical for the future and. 
and understanding that we all have, I think we should all know this right now, right, as faculty members, but we all have different ways in which we learn. Uh, you know, some of us are visual, some of us are um, auditory learners, and then just being able to, um, again, meet people where they're at, you know, if, if you're writing notes and, and you know, like I'm taking notes as you speak. Honestly, for me, it's not going to stick to me. I have to be like a hands-on type of person. I have to try stuff out. And and if I don't, uh, it's like I never heard it, right? So just being able to, to adjust also like the way you're teaching sometimes, I think that that's going to be very, very critical and, and I have that hope that that one day, you know, all of the professors in the world would just uh, be able to do that and 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 have more visuals and have more hands-on hands on, um, things that the students can do because when we don't have that, we're leaving students behind, you know? And and I think it's just very critical to do that. And, and the other hope is that, you know, after you all hear us and sharing our experiences that you go out there and look for uh, what the same, what 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 is DACA even right? Like what does it stand for? Uh, what is happening now nationally? Like we have HR six that passed the House, we have HR ten sixteen that, that passed the House. So how can you all, aside from from helping us in the classroom, be helping us outside of the classroom through signing petitions, through calling your senators, through calling your representatives, because truly it comes a, first, a full circle, right? How I perform in, in, in the classroom also is affected by how, like whatever is going outside of the classroom. And, and I think just being able to understand that, you know, hopefully, you know, my hope is that HR6 uh, passes. There's a lot of things that I wish we could change with it and then other things. So like, we won't get into that, but uh, just being able to uh, to advocate for us that way. I think that that's, you know, it goes beyond the classroom. It goes beyond saying, I'm here for you. It goes beyond saying, uh, you know, I'll support you with whatever I can, but really like also understanding that um, we're still, like our families are still being deported, right? Like we still have that fear um, and even me as a professional right now, I have the fear that one day I'm gonna get home and I'm not gonna see my parents. And that's very real for a lot of um, a lot of uh, the students that that are um, an immigrant, that are undocumented, that their families are also like mixed status families. And I think we also have to understand that, right? That just because I have DACA doesn't mean that my parents also have DACA or that they have something else or they have a protection because that's not the case. So really understanding again beyond the classroom would be uh, something that I would hope for and that um, as, as professors, as faculty and as administration, you all really look beyond um, what's what's inside and what you're teaching, but really uh, look, us, look at us as a whole because we are people, we are a person and um, we're, yes, we're there to learn, but we also struggle through a lot of things that, um, we might not be wanting or willing to share with you. And I think that that's okay, but just being more curious about what's happening would be uh, very helpful. Like if somebody called me and was like, you know, I'll call the representative or like the, the Senator, which has happened with, the, with my mentors and faculty that I've had, um, I call them because I know this is important to you. And that made me feel like a million bucks, right? Like it was like, yay, like, you know, I'm not longer there, but they're still like thinking of me and they're doing this because of not just me, but the future generations that are coming and those who are like there right now. So really understanding and, and, and that we're, we're more than 
than, than a person, right? We're more than a student at the end of the day. I'm more than uh, a Latina. I'm more than like a woman of color in the classroom. Like I am a full person. And I think that that's my hope that one day we will all um, love each other. <laughs> I know it's a very ambitious goal uh, in hope and dream, but that we all will just love each other and understand each other and uh, mostly meet people where they're at. I think that that would be phenomenal if we can all get around that and, and just really meeting people where they're at. This world would be just much more beautiful than it is. Thank you for your participation. And now please, our next participant. I would say like, I will keep my short because you, uh, I don't know what, what is to say, but just make sure like my hopes are first to create awareness, like awareness all over the place, make sure that they know what's going on, make sure that like people are willing to learn. But however, like I want, like my hope is to end like, oh, because you're exotic, like you look exotic. So come on and tell me about you. Tell me where you come from. Tell me like, how was it? Tell me how you live your daily life. Like we're humans, we're not like animals, we're not anything that like different than you. Yeah, like most of the stuff that we do is different, but just because of that, I don't have to tell you, like I don't have to explain my whole life to you. And also what my biggest hope is to end the use of illegal as a word to define people, because uh, like illegal is an action. I don't, a human cannot be illegal. So if you can, like if we can just end the sin of that because that's just wrong and it's not even proper grammar if you look at it but i don't know if that's going hopefully that ends and that's my biggest hope thank you for your participation and please our next participant yeah i, I echo what, what has has been said um to answer that question i i i started to think about my my younger sister who's 13 I, you know, our, our home is mixed status and um, very much the rest of her, her life or her future will, um, I'll be, I'll be there, right, and, and support economically, but also morally. So I think about a world that I wish to contribute to in order for her to have um, a seat under the shade, right? Like, so what, what type of tree or how can I grow a tree for her to sit down um, under its shade without, even if I don't get to be there? So I think of that world and, and for her to be able to have never doubt the accessibility of her dreams. Um, and I think in this country specifically, it has to do a lot with, with finances, uh, financial um, stability and safety, right? Like for her to dream whatever she could possibly think of being, right? Um, she's talked a lot about being like a game animator. Like she wants to draw and then program it to move, right? because she really likes, you know, games and to play games and stuff. And so how will that be accessible for her, right? And, and I start to think about how she won't be a first generation person because by definition in the United States, I, I'm, she's gonna be my dependent, right? And I'm a, I already have a college education, so she won't be a first generation by that. So she won't be eligible for a lot of the different financial resources that, that, that I was, right? So thinking about accessibility as in like, you know, free higher education. So for me, that would be a world where, where we are in a country that really values the, not necessarily the, like the bootstrap mentality of the country where, you know, you work really hard and you'll be able to get out of, you know, whatever poverty cycle you're in or anything, but rather just like children 
keeping the ability to dream and never have to worry about that accessibility as, as we grow older, right? So for me, that's another thing that I, I picture. The other thing is that in her educational process for, for her not to like ever lose that sense of like creativity or, or curiosity, right, of what comes. Um, I think uh, in higher education, um, especially for, for us, you know, that are Spanish speaking at home, it's really difficult for us to navigate standardized testing, for example. So I'm talking more about like tangible things that I like wish for the future to change. But like standardized testing really limit the uh, the ability for, for students to be able to, to dream bigger, right? Because they feel like they can't do well in this and they won't be able to do well later on. So for, for me, for example, like I, I grew up learning how to read Spanish first and then English in school. Um, when I'd come home, I'd speak only Spanish, right? And so I'd only speak English in school. And so standardized testing, there were sometimes there were words where I was like, what? Like, I've never like even heard of this, but maybe I have. I just don't use it as often, right? It's not a home thing. And so for, for me, it'd be also for, for younger generations not to have to need to learn through that, because I think that that's a lot of um, what limits people's dreams of, of what they want to become. But yeah, so just accessibility and also just preparedness and all of the different opportunities that that younger generation, Spanish-speaking, um, undocumented immigrant uh, folks would would have throughout the, the course of their career paths. Thank you so much for your participation. Um, this last section to finish the interview is um, for your personal remark. Please say whatever you want to say to everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would just like to, hopefully you made it through all the interview and no tears shed. <laughs> uh, but if you did, it's okay, because, you know, uh, our stories are, are very real and, and our experiences are also very valid. And, and if you also at some point felt uncomfortable, um, that's okay, right? Like, it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes. Like, I mean, as, as a people, um, as a person of color, like, I can't tell you how many times I felt uncomfortable in any situation, whether that was in school, whether that was, you know, with um, advocating um, in administration, whether that was even walking uh, downtown in my college town, which was very scary for me sometimes, and I would never, ever walk alone. And so just um, also... Um, you know, but I put myself in that in that situation because I knew that it would help me grow. Um, but I also took like a lot of safety precautions and everything. And so I think that, um, you know, again, if this made you uh, feel uncomfortable, explore that feeling, right? Like, what is it about that that is making you feel uncomfortable? And how can you get more comfortable with that? Uh, with that um, situation, with whatever it is that, that we mentioned here. And, and, and I say that because I, for one, like to make people uncomfortable. So if I made you uncomfortable, I did my job. <laughs> um, but that's just because, you know, I think that when we're uncomfortable, we also grow as people. And so I think that, um, again, if you feel uncomfortable, explore that, right? Like, why did I feel so uncomfortable when they were talking about us, like, maybe just like checking the boxes, right? Or talking about diversity and inclusion, but we're not really doing it. Like, and, and it is happening happening all across the, the United States and probably beyond the United States, right? Where this is, um, inclusivity is such a big issue, probably all the way in the whole world, right? And so... 
I would say that, you know, don't let the uncomfortable feeling discourage you. Uh, on the other hand, like let it motivate you and go uh, do some soul searching slash research searching, like what is it and how can you get more comfortable with the topic that we're talking about, whatever it is that, that you're, um, you're experiencing. Um, and then I would say lastly, um, you know, if a student looks uncomfortable or if a student looks like maybe you said something and that they, it didn't settle well with them, have that conversation with them because, you know, you might say something, but it was not interpreted the same way, right, that, that you meant it or whatever. And I think it's important to also have that conversation to, uh, with the student to make sure that they feel safe. Because I, I do believe that universities, colleges, and higher education should be a safe space for students to be at. And if you're not creating that space, you're adding to that pressure that students already have. We already talked, uh, you know, this uh, this hour about all of the pressures that we had, not just from the fat from our families, from society, from from other things that we personally put pressure on us. And, and I think that. That's the last, uh, the last thing you could do, right? Make, make your classroom, make your, you know, whatever it is where you're at, just feel like a safe space for students. And, and if you can't do that, ask yourself why you can't do that uh, or how you can do it or how, you know, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, how can I make them not feel uncomfortable or just really seek those questions and ask yourself how to create one, a safe space and how do you navigate uh, your own, uh, just being uncomfortable, right? To get comfortable. And um, yeah, and just keep, you know, for all of those uh, folks who have been advocating for us, thank you so much, can't thank you enough. I think that without folks uh, that like you all that have been advocating, um, a lot of us wouldn't have even graduated, right? And so I'm definitely very thankful for all of my professors uh, not for all of them, <laughs> because some of them were were very you know hard on me and and I did not have a good experience in their classroom. But I would say that the majority of of their professors um, made me feel welcomed and supported, and especially in that 2016 2017 period of my life, where you know I said I'm going to do this, and they didn't question why I had to go advocate for a clean dream act. They were just like, okay, you know, here's what you can do. And I think that that's also my hope that, that you all don't necessarily question why we're doing it because it is affecting our lives, but rather and try to understand how can I support them? You know, like how do I give them like an assignment online or do I give them an extension or whatever it is because that's another stressor, right? And we do have to fight for our survival, you know, and hopefully we, we don't have to do this any longer. But yeah, and, and, and you know, lastly, yeah, thank you all so much for, for inviting me to be here this hour. Uh, thank you uh, for to the participants, definitely enjoy hearing you. And, and I hope you all keep doing a whole bunch of amazing things and you all are chingones, uh, badasses. <laughs> uh, and, and you all belong in those spaces, right? And, and yeah, and thank you all for, for this time. Yeah, of course, um, I would say hopefully you make it to this end. I want to say thank you for keep listening. And also, I want to say if you're uncomfortable, hey, that's okay. Hopefully that spikes something in you to do better, to go and do more research, to learn more, to advocate at your university or your, the place that you work. 
Also, I would like to say to the students, hey, just keep standing, keep fighting. Doesn't matter, like go and seek that support. Thank you to all the uh, advocates and all of those allies that we have at the universities, of the offices, of the faculty, staff, and students that we have, the organizations. And just, just know that uncomfortable, being uncomfortable is, is not okay. Just keep on going. Once you get yourself comfortable, that's when you don't want to move anymore and you don't want to learn more. So just keep being uncomfortable and thank you for listening. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, thank you again for, for the space and, and the invitation to have this conversation. Definitely think we don't have that enough um, between uh, various campuses. Like we, we see many efforts um, within within different you know cities or within different states. But I don't think we talk enough about, about what's going on at a national level as well for students. Um, I think there are many li different lived experiences, different type of resources. Um, you know, for, for, for those of us who grew up in the Midwest was much more different um, for the West Coast, right, in regards to visibility, in regards to resources as well. So I, I really thank this space because it, it really intentionally brings together um, all different perspectives. And I think um, from, from this conversation that we had, we realized that we're not that much um, different regardless of us being in a, in a blue state or a red state or in an institution that that is very progressive right based on you know whatever it is that that, that they've done um, to really uh, support their students of color or their or their students of the most vulnerable communities right so I just wanted to take that time to thank thank everyone here for for allowing for that space to to be created I think for my last remarks um yeah, I, I mean, there's there's not much more than than what has been said from from Daisy and, and Alex. Um, Daisy said at the end, like, uh, you know, somos chingones, right? Like we're 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 badass. Like there's been so many um, different type of um, opportunities and different type of barriers that we've had to navigate. Um, I remember like you know growing up and and going to different uh, STEM programs, right, or STEM um, summer camps or whatnot, you know. Um, every time I just felt uncomfortable, like I felt so, um, you know, for, for lack of better words, foreign, because I was growing up in a Midwest town where most of my classmates were, you know, English speaking um, Caucasians, right? And so I felt out of place. I was like, no, like, this isn't, you know, possible, but it was the only space ever that was created. Um, and so I remember my dad always telling me, like, you have to take every opportunity that comes your way, and especially as a Spanish speaker, especially as an undocumented immigrant woman, you have to take every opportunity possible. And um, and yeah, I think that's always been my my go-to phrase of like new challenges, new barriers, um, take every opportunity to learn, to act. Um, and that's the only that's the only thing I, I always want to advocate um, also for younger generations, not not be afraid. Uh, regardless of, of your language barriers or, you know, any, any type of things that you associate because of your status or because of um, your upbringing that, that this country deserves to see that or you deserve to, to um, be able to thrive in that. And it's this country's responsibility to make way for that. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing about us that, that makes us any less capable than, than others. So, yep, that's, so I wanted to share and thank you again for, for the space and the opportunity to talk today. Muchas gracias muchachos por su participación en este podcast. La verdad que merecen toda mi admiración y respeto. 
ustedes son un ejemplo a seguir. Ustedes son la voz de los que no tienen voz. Y, y a través de este medio eh, verán otros uh, estudiantes que estén en situación similar que se puede seguir adelante, que no hay nada que los pueda detener si, detener si se tiene voluntad. No permitan que los aplasten y a pesar de que las cosas sigan siendo difíciles, no se dejen pisotear, salgan adelante, tienen capacidad y van a lograr llegar muy alto. Felicidades. Thanks to all of you who participated in this podcast. Um, you are amazing. You have been an example of what a human being can do in spite of all obstacles, harsh circumstances that you have been uh, going through. I'm sure you will be able to reach your dreams and to go far and beyond of any obstacle. You are the voice of those without a voice. Through this podcast, you will encourage others. I want to encourage you to continue fighting and don't allow people step on you. Stand for yourself and fight. Thank you. If you enjoy the Chem for Real podcast, please consider sharing it with your colleagues, friends, and through your social media accounts. We release episodes approximately monthly. Subscribe to be notified when the next episode drops. For related content, please see the kerchem.wordpress.com blog site. That's C-U-R-C-H-E-M.wordpress.com or go to the kerr.org website. Also, please leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts, which helps others find us. And as always, we thank you for listening.